Hey, what's up? This is DJ Pierre. So this is a podcast I wanted to do for quite a long time and because I feel so emotional about this particular track that means so much to me I always felt underwhelmed and uh, could never rise to the challenge however because uh, 2017 is actually ending I find this is the right time to actually do this even though I still don't feel ready but there you go I'm just going to discuss why Acid Tracks by Future is, in my opinion, the most important electronic dance music creation of all time. Stay tuned. coming back again with another podcast and I'm recording on the end of the year I should be doing yearly reviews actually however in 1987 a particular track was released it was actually released in 1986 as DJ Pierre tweeted to me the other day however tracks records released in 1987 officially it was called acid tracks and in my opinion, this is the most important piece of electronic dance music or contemporary electronic dance music that was ever created. And I will explain the reasons why. In order to understand this, you have to get into the context of the year and you have to think of what people were listening back to 1987. And if you look at the charts, you would have Bon Jovi, you'd have Madonna, you'd have Aha and all the uh, pop acts which are great and then slowly this uh, Chicago house music start creeping in first of all in Manchester from what I understand but secondly 1988 you had uh, the big breakthrough with uh, Daniel Rampling coming back from Ibiza and starting Shum so the acid house scene was born at that stage but nobody actually understood why it was called acid house and not just house because initially they were just playing house music. So at the same time in Chicago at about 1985 you had a band of uh, three young people from came together as a group called Future spelled with PH and how many people did you have spelling Future with PH back in 1987 and they released this uh, track or music called Acid Tracks and the rest is history. To me, this is the most important piece, and I'm repeating again, because it just changed the way 
electronic dance music was produced. So when house music was started back in the warehouse in Chicago, Frankie Knuckles was playing mostly an evolution of disco music which eventually became house music because he was playing in the warehouse. House, you get it? And it was mostly remixed or reworked disco tracks with a new beat underneath. Lots of strings, lots of cameras, lots of vocals, amazing music for what it was. But it was still attaching, if you see, from a musical point of view, to the cliches of, of disco music or, or even pop music. You have the chords, you have the chord progression, and so and so it goes on. And prior to that, of course, prior to the future, you had pioneers like electronic uh, music pioneers like John Shelzaf, who have these huge synthesizers, and they would just uh, tweak analog filters, and you have you know, the arpeggios coming in and out, and uh, this is where trance actually originates from, if you think about it. But nobody actually brought an innovation up to this particular point, which I would call point zero in electronic dance music. What these guys did is they simply produced a drum and bass track, and it was simply drum and bass, nothing else. So the drum was a drum machine of some sort, but the bass, the bass drum was a Roland TB303. What they did innovatively is to start tweaking the knobs live. Now, having about, I don't know, 100 million tracks since produced with the same sort of mentality, to you guys who are listening out there, it looks quite simple and like, what did you do? So, what? And I know the first time you pick up your mobile phone now uh, to look on uh, what's going on on the web, to, look, to you it looks very natural. However, Imagine the first person who ever picked up the telephone itself to actually speak to another human being in another place. This is how innovative Acid Tracks was. Because what he did is he tweaked the knobs and he started filtering the rhythm in and out, in and out, in and out, changing the frequency and the pitch and the resonance. And nobody had ever done this before. And this is what brought dance music to the forefront because of the innovation that these guys have done. So I'm going to, because I can't express uh, any further how this track is actually still sounding futuristic 30 years later, how many tracks do you actually get to sound futuristic? 30 years later since their production. I'm going to just read an interview by the man himself, DJ Pierre, and let him speak for himself. So uh, this interview, I found it actually on the internet, and uh, it's actually from uh, 2015. So its headline is Back to the Future, DJ Pierre inventing acid and why the M fans need to learn their history. And I fully agree with that. And I know Maybe I should start a series called Idiom Millennials. The interviewer is asking, where did this acid sound come from? Future did the first tweaking of acid. We've gotten this box called the 303 on it because I'd seen this guy named Jasper with it. He had just a regular bass line playing. I thought, wow, that's nice. I said, what's making that sound? He said, this 303. And then he showed me the machine. I said, wow, we've really been looking for a keyboard module or something that would give us a good bass sound. Spanky, which is another member of Future, 
bought it used because you couldn't get it new anymore. Now you have to remember how the 303 came and there's plenty of documentaries around. The Roland TV 303, which was the baseline generator, was produced by Roland in 1981 for rock musicians who just make a baseline and without picking the knobs, let it play on the background while they play the guitars and sing on the mic. And that was the whole concept of banging the box. The TR-808 would play the drums. You wouldn't need a drummer, you wouldn't need a bassist. You have your guitar and you just stand in front of the microphone and just sing banging the box, right? But it was a bitch to program. So it was considered a commercial failure and then a couple of years later, I think, Roland T um, just discontinued the damn thing. I'm one lucky bastard because I have one at home. So uh, it was going obviously around very, very cheaply in uh, second-hand shops and these guys found it. So just to continue. And he had it hooked up running with the drum machine but it wasn't working. If you get one of those 303, 303s, it's not going to have any bass line sounds in it. So you have to squeak and squack it until it makes some noise, which is true. He said he didn't know what was wrong with it, how to program it right. So he said, could you figure it out? So he joked, yeah. When I came over by it, I started twisting the knobs, seeing what they do, because that's what I do, twist knobs. So I was doing that and we fell in love with the sounds it was making. We fell in love with how I was twisting the knobs with this thing. And then I started twisting them a certain way and putting emotion and feeling behind it. And Spanky was like, yo, Pierre, keep doing that, I like that. I was like, yeah, this is something. We were like, yo, that's style. We said, forget trying to make a baseline, let's program it like this and just twist the knobs. And so that's what we did, you know? They're asking, how did you get the acid sound out there? And he says, I can give enough credit to Ron Hardy because once we finished it, we were trying to figure out who would play this. So Ron Hardy is the other figurehead back in Chicago that was playing the music box. And he was kind of rival of uh, Frankie Knuckles who was playing the warehouse. And Ron Hardy was more dark, edgy, psychedelic, experimental compared to Frankie Knuckles. So to continue, we thought about all the DJs in Chicago that might be open to it and we could only come up with one and that was Ron Hardy. He was the guy we listened to. We knew he played a lot of different sounds. Like Frankie Knuckles, amazing DJ, but he was strictly house. So we took it to Ron and Ron said he liked it and then as the story goes he dropped it four times. The first two times people were like, what the heck is this? The third time people were like, okay, this sounds alright, I guess. And the fourth time people went crazy. So he literally broke the record. That's what Ron Hardy used to do. From what I understand, he would experiment and he would try to lead people in what he believed was good music that should be listened to. He could have played it twice and been like, forget it, these people don't get it. But he got it and he had the vision that it was something. So really, he's very important almost as important as we are in the creation of Acid and Acid House because he broke it and he made it a sound that the whole city of Chicago was singing. The people named it Ron Hardy has this Acid track. Everybody would be buzzing asking what it was including ourselves because it wasn't like Acid tracks when we gave it to him. So we were like clamoring to find out what was this new track. One day my friend said I got a copy, I got a copy of Ron Hardy's Acid track and I said let me hear it and when I heard it I said, that's no Ron Hardy's track, that's our track. We made that track. And he was like, you gotta be kidding me. You didn't make that track, this is Ron Hardy's track. So I pulled out my cassette tape. I said, I'll prove it to you. I always had my cassette tape with me and I put it in and then we played it. And then he heard the track from the beginning and he realized that we made it. I said, since everybody knows that's the acid track, we're we just gonna have to change the title to just acid tracks. 
also that's how it came about and that was in 1985 but it didn't come out until like 86 or something which was a wide label from what I understand but the tracks release again was 1987 you have the 12-inch it was buzzing the clubs for a while but we didn't know how to make a record how to put it out at the time we didn't know anything about those things Marcel Jefferson was performing Move Your Body at the powerhouse in Chicago and I wrote a note on a piece of paper we were in the front of the stage and I reached my hand up and I'm yelling for Marshall. He didn't hear me, but uh, Curtis McClain, which is another house producer, was near the stage and he came over, grabbed the paper from me and said, my name is DJ Pierre, I'm with a group called Future and we made track called Acid Tracks. Can you help us get a record deal? I wrote my phone number there, I kid you not, the very next day Marshall called me. So Marshall Jefferson was a big, big persona back then. There was a note on the fridge saying Marshall Jefferson called, my mom would put notes on the fridge. I was thinking, who's kidding around with me? But when I called, of course, it was Marshall Jefferson. And the rest is history in that regard. This is Cocaine speaking. I can make you do anything for me. How did the name Acid came about? So now he goes into the controversy of uh, people start associating Acid, the Acid tracks and Acid House with LSD and because LSD is Acid, isn't it? And they have emphasized on numerous occasions that it's the feeling that counts and has nothing to do with the tracks. And then he goes on to explain, for example, that after this he made a particular favorite track of mine which is called Your Only Friend. So he says, I immediately wrote a track called Your Only Friend to put on that same record to kind of dispel the fact that Future is in support of the drug culture like that. I know you've heard that song, you went, I can make you cry for me, I can make you fight for me, I'll make you steal for me, I can make you kill for me, and in the end, I'll be your only friend. And you can hear this in the background. Basically I was saying, listen, you're doing this stuff and eventually your life will be torn down and all you have is yourself and that guy. At the end of that song I go, take a wave of me, you'll feel high. Take a sniff of me, you'll feel fine. A shot for me, I'll make you fly. Too much of me, I'll make you die. I was just trying to explain something, but I didn't even get across like that. People literally in Chicago go get their drugs when that song came on. I was thinking, oh crap you guys, I'm just trying to tell you something. Then uh, the question goes, acid cuts through a lot of other sounds, it's very visceral, so bodily. Why do you think that sound is so enduring? I think it's so unique, you know, how something stands out, it tickles your ears, you know, it's something. It just grabs you in a way no other sound does. Even dubstep, as crazy as that stuff sounds, that sounds that are connected to a previous instrument, it's still copying something in some kind of way. With a 303 which was supposed to be copying a bass guitar, it doesn't sound like any previous sound you've ever heard before and this is what I was saying earlier on. You can only dis describe it as being acid, you can't connect it to anything else, nothing that in itself is unique. I keep arguing the point that because of what we've done with the 303, the 303 should be considered official means to me. It needs to be classified like that. Well, I kid you not, just try to program this bitch to make these bass lines that Future have made. I kid you not, this is so damn hard. Okay, it's a challenge for you out there. It's uh, great to your, go to your Ableton or Fruity Loops and just make great music very easy, but try to get the 303 to make it sound like these guys did with all this emotion and all this soul in it. 
and you see that it's almost next to impossible and DJ Pierre continues I think since people have made all these clones to the 303 to me that's just like how the manufacturers making bass guitars or lead guitars or pianos they all have their own different sound but it's all mimicking a certain thing so that's my goal to make acid an official new instrument such as like a guitar and the 303 is probably going to be identified as the first one and most important question how has acid shaped the electronic music landscape? I think it definitely shaped techno and trance, you know, especially techno. All the roughest sounds didn't start coming about until after acid house blew up. It brought a different way of thinking to the house music scene. So I think it influenced those things and out of those things I think dubstep came and trance. It got the whole tougher so-called DD inside. I think you could say the origins of that sound start from acid house and you know acid house stem from house music. This is what I keep saying, it's all house music in my ears. It all stems from Chicago to be honest. That's why I don't agree with people acting as though this whole EDM thing started a few years ago. EDM culture is not separate from house music. It's fine if people want to call it EDM, but I do believe if people take on championing the whole EDM cause, they need to know their history so we're not killing the origins of where this music started. People are starting to think it didn't start in Chicago, that by started somewhere else, it started here. So that's in a wrap why this track or piece of music or piece of audio is, in my opinion, the most important electronic dance music ever created. A future where three people, Spanky, DJ Pierre and Herb J. Spanky sadly died last year and my thoughts go to him and his family. He created something that nobody will ever replicate. DJ Pierre is still going on. His real name is Nathaniel Pierre Jones, and they're still producing tracks. He pioneered the wild pitch sound in the early 90s. He recently brought two amazing compilations that I highly, highly recommend. This is, first of all, it's called Wild Pitch, the story. 30 years in the making and really it did take 30 years and uh, damn Pierre why did it take 30 years to release all these gems together man and um, he also recently produced or mixed a compilation for Get Physical Get Physical is uh, uh, one of my favorite all-time favorites techno German techno based in Berlin labels and he produced uh, a compilation called Acid Love compiled and mixed by Ron Leske in the beginning of December but um, DJ Pierre um, really features here with uh, four or five different tracks and you know it, it just tied up with uh, the release of the wild pitch uh, I would highly recommend both of those uh, into my selected records for the year my disclaimer is that uh, I didn't know what acid tracks was or which made this track or uh, what this track is about until late 89 I've heard this in a mixtape that I bought in Camden in early 89 but you know, there was no internet back then, so it was almost next impossible to realize what it was. And then somehow through friends and everything, we had access to 12 inches in late 89, I realized what it was, and then I, I just got hooked. I knew about this acid, I could realize the 303 sound, 
everybody was using it back then or they were using cheap imitators it was you know just everywhere like the drops at the medium that just didn't know and finally in 2015 I actually met the man and shook his hand as my hand was shaking and sweating I know that's laughable but you know uh, everybody of us have uh, a hero some of you guys have Martin Garrix or Dimitri Vegas or Hardware well mine is DJ Pierre because this track is the most important track of my life signing out peace